Good morning. What a rainy day, my goodness. If you got my email, we're uh, moving towards John 8 and Exodus uh, 3, but before I go there, I want to bring your attention to two things. Pastor Steve mentioned it earlier, but our children's ministry areas are growing. That's good news, right? Uh, So we have a little special card up here that if you are interested in volunteering, we have four children's ministry environments every Sunday. We have our infants, we have our toddlers, we have our pre-K, and we have our elementary school areas. If you haven't gotten a call from one of us, Naomi or I, you might be, so stand by. But if the Lord would put it on your heart to volunteer, would you come up and grab one of these, fill it out, and you can drop it right back in this little basket. We want to make that available. And uh, honestly, we believe that one of the most important things we can do around here is impress the heart of Father God on the hearts of our little ones. Very, very, very important task that we should not take lightly. So if God has put a unique call on your heart, please come fill that out and let us know. We'll get back to you. Secondly, uh, Power Camp is well underway. We are absolutely thrilled. There was a, uh, one video that we released this past week on Facebook, and I think on my, at my last uh, report on it, we'd had 3,200 views of our Power Camp videos. I was like, oh my goodness, wow, that's so cool. So we've uh, made selections of our initial staff, and we're really moving forward on uh, planning for the summer. So stay tuned for that as well. Okay, let's jump in. Um, I'm in John 8, verse 12. I'm pulling one little verse from this. Pastor Steve has already referenced it. It's uh, Jesus talking. Um, There's seven I am statements, maybe eight, depending on how you look at it, in the Gospel of John that we've been going through. And I want to read one verse. Uh, Then we're going to cross-reference that back to the Old Testament, where God first introduces himself to us as I am. And then we're going to kind of weave the two together and make some practical applications to our life. Sound good? All right. Let's start. John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. All right, let's flip to Exodus 3. This is verses 13 and 14. If you're not familiar with it, this is when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. Moses is in the desert, probably feeling very lost. And here is what Moses said to God, and God said back to Moses. Let's read. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we open the word together this morning, would you shed light on the scriptures? Would you illuminate our hearts? Would you give understanding to our mind? Lord, would you call us into a more full surrender to the gospel of Christ Jesus, to the person of Christ Jesus? Holy Spirit, we authorize you to work in and through our lives this day and this week. In your name we pray, amen. You know, I love to read a passage of scripture and then I love to actually pause with very few comments and pray after it because it is God's word. And I figure if you go to lunch after this and you get to lunch and you go, man, Michael wasn't so good, you at least heard the word of God. 
And if you go to lunch and you go, man, Michael was so good. He only, ma- he only made it to second or third base, to use Ron's analogy. The important thing is that God's word was preached. And that the presence and purposes of Jesus was lifted up in our hearts and minds. So I come with a little bit of an illustration today. Um, I want to talk about rip currents at the beach. We live in coastal Wilmington, North Carolina. You guys probably all know what rip currents are if you go to the beach. I'm a surfer. I don't surf as much as I used to, um, but I do love to surf. And it's really interesting because as a beach goer, rip currents are very dangerous. We all try to avoid them, right? We try to educate people. You don't want to get in a rip current because you probably know about it. But what happens is um, water is pushing in towards the shore with breaking waves. And as the waves get bigger, as the swell rises, more water pushes into the shore, and the water will actually get caught behind uh, sandbars that are very close to the beach. Now, when the water builds up behind those sandbars, it has to sort of uh, retract back out to the ocean. So it will break through the sandbar, and it will almost create a river within the giant ocean, and it will pull water back out to sea. You ever seen those before? Well, they tell you that if you're in a rip current, that you have to do one of two things. You can either ride the rip current out until it stops, and it will stop. They all do. They're not going to take you clear out to Bermuda. Or you can swim up parallel to the beach, but you never try to swim against a rip current. Now, there's kind of a misnomer here that rip currents kill people. They don't. They do not. Panic. Fear. Interesting, we sang about that. Dean, what beautiful worship this morning, and Shirley, what courage. Just, man, so good. But it's panic, it's fear that causes people to lose their life in a rip current. If you're in a rip current, all you have to do is um, wait patiently until that thing dumps you out, and then you can swim in. Simple. Now, as a surfer, I'll actually go down to the beach, and I will look for a rip current. Do you know why? Because I can jump in that rip current with my board, and guess what it's going to do? It's going to dump me right out where I want to go, right where those waves are breaking. I was at uh, Holden Beach a couple years ago, some of the best waves I've ever surfed. We actually have a photo of me surfing from that day on our, on our wall at home, and uh, the waves were breaking on a pier there, and they were hitting the very bottom um, of, the, of the pier or the, the, that goes out into the ocean, and on sets, it was even hitting the top of the handrail. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And there was a rip current that was going right out next to the pier, and it was, it was a little bit dangerous, I guess I should say, um, but it was slurping out so hard that if you waited between a set, you could jump in on your board, and in a matter of six or eight seconds, it would dump you out into the lineup. And without that rip current, it would have taken 20 or 30 minutes for me to paddle through all those waves. So we'd catch a, a wave in, and then we'd run back down the beach, wait for the set to come through, and then we'd jump in and... It would dump us right back out. Now, Michael, how does this relate to John 8? I am so glad you asked that question. If you're in Jesus, if you're doing life in the context of the great I am, you can either swim with him or you can swim against him. But you cannot do both. Much of the Christian life is about us surrendering to the purposes and sort of the current of what Christ Jesus is doing in our life at the current time. 
Much of us have spent much of our lives fighting against, trying to swim against that rip current of the presence and power of Jesus. And the older I get, the more that I discover that I think the greatest power in the Christian life comes from a calmness and a waiting and a watching. Where is the current of God moving? And how can I relax into it and even participate with it? Because I don't ever want to fight against the presence and the power of God in my life or in our family's life. Now, in John 8, you have Jesus teaching, and he says, I am the light of life. In Exodus 3 that we read, we have Moses there, and I want to mention a couple things about Moses. Moses, you guys know this, but uh, there was Abraham who God called, there was Isaac, there was Jacob. Jacob gave birth to Joseph. Joseph was sent to Israel, ahead, or to uh, Egypt rather, ahead of all of the Israelites, and he made preparations so that during a grand famine that happened, that he could save the life of his people, and he did. But the people came to Egypt, and they lived there for many, many years. But then they became enslaved by the pharaohs in Egypt. And God rose up a man by the name of Moses. He was an Israelite, but he was raised in Pharaoh's household. And I think something that is very, very interesting here about Moses is um, he had a sense in his heart of his call to deliver the Israelite people. Remember? He killed an Egyptian to try to deliver them in his own steam. You remember that passage? And he was exiled from the country. He wandered the deserts. He tended sheep for 40 years. And some 40 years later, God appears to Moses in a burning bush on the side of a mountain. And he calls to him, and it says Moses turned aside to go see what this site was. If you've ever seen the uh, Charlton Heston movie, I absolutely love those, those scenes. It was such a good, we watched that as kids, and I just absolutely loved it. Moses, take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground. So Moses is there, and it's fascinating to me because God says you're going to go and Moses is making excuses, probably much like you and I. What if they don't believe me? What, what, what am I going to say to them? If they ask me who sent me, what do I say? See, in that day and age, there was no written uh, Bible. I don't even have my Bible up here, but there was no written word. You know who penned the first five books of the Bible? Moses, that's exactly right. He wrote those first five books. So there was no word that God had not revealed himself in the written word yet that was still being lived out. And Moses expected that God was going to give himself a name. Because in that day and age, all the other countries on the face of the earth, all the other peoples were serving uh, gods, little g gods, and they all had names. And our God, this God, says, my name is I am. In other words, he says, my name is so great, it transcends names. It transcends time. It transcends space. I, I was, I am, I will be. 
Go tell the Israelites that I am sent you. The very first place in Scripture where God introduces himself as I am. Now, fast forward several thousand years, you have Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus in the book of John introduces himself with seven I am statements. One of those statements we just looked at. I am the light of the world. Brings us to our first point. Knowing Jesus as I am means he is present. This is in, you have a little outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along. That's number one. Knowing Jesus as I am means he is present in our lives. Right now. And I don't mean in some weird way, God's in the rain and God's in the tree. No, 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 no. His fingerprints are on the trees. His fingerprints are on the rain. His fingerprints is on creation all around us. But he is here. See, we have his word that we open up and we read, but we also have the daily direction of the Spirit of God in our lives. And so I think the question for us today that begins to formulate is, are we aware of the present and active work of God in our life today? Because he was, he is, and he will be. I drove uh, safari trucks for a summer in Africa in the year 2001, I think it was. That's been a few years ago now. And I would take um, groups of students into the bush for a couple weeks at a time. And after a few weeks of service projects and or mission work, I'd drop them off at Victoria Falls, a city in Africa, and they would fly out. And then I would begin a, a couple day journey back to the base that, uh, from which I drove out of. And I will never forget because I had a 40-passenger, um, like a bush vehicle with like six-wheel drive. It was some crazy thing with lots of tires. And uh, I would stop in the bush and I would camp or sleep on the top of the truck. And when there was a cloudy night, the darkness was so dark. If there was a cloud cover covering the stars... When I turned that truck off, there weren't lights for thousands of miles, and I couldn't even see my hands out in front of me. I remember standing on the top of that truck with the bush spreading all around me, lights, no lights for thousands of miles, turned it off, there was a cloud cover in the sky, and I could not even see my hands in front of me. See, this Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. I have a friend that I deeply respect. He's actually a pastor in another city, and he's in an ongoing conversation with me about whether Jesus still actively, currently reveals himself to us. In other words, he would say, God spoke in his word. So I said, oh, so you're telling me that he was? He, he, he was? Or... or He is. I am or I was. No, 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 no. This Jesus is I am. I am present. I am speaking. I am working. I am moving. It will never depart 
the person of Jesus and what he is doing in our lives right now will never depart from the bedrock of that word, ever. But he is doing and acting and moving and speaking in our lives today, right now. Brings us to our second point this morning. Knowing Jesus as the great I am means he is, which simultaneously means I am not. You know, I didn't uh, really mean to do this, but I've stumbled across something in my own Christian walk. I was, some of you were actually at the, um, the combined Good Friday service that happened, what's that been, a week ago, a little over a week? Who was there? A couple of people. John Gonzalez read something for us. It was really wonderful. But it was a great service. But what happened is I was preparing for that message, and I stumbled across something that made me pause and think. I was studying the, um, what Jesus uh, sort of referenced um, when he talked about what it meant to be a Christian. What, what did Jesus say? I have this great concept of what we say. I can tell you the four spiritual laws. I can lead somebody to Christ. But what did Jesus actually say? What did the great I am say about leading someone to Jesus? And I began to do this study on what did, it, what did he say? What did it mean? And there were seven times in the scriptures that I found where Jesus um, gave and a sort of a call to come and accept him and walk with him as a Christian. It would later be called that. And based on our training, based on what we say here in America, you sort of think that it would go something like, come on down to the beautiful life. God has a wonderful plan for you. Do you know what I found? It honestly made me get on my knees and go, oh, my Jesus. Because what I discovered was in these seven passages where Jesus gave an evangelical invitation to people, he didn't say, come take part of the beautiful life. It's really good down here. He said, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. He said to the rich young ruler, go buy a new car, get the big house. No, 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 no. What did he say? Sell it all. I went, Jesus, there is something about an element of the Christianity I've been preaching that needs to be adjusted. I think there's something in America as a whole about the Christianity that we lift up that may need to be adjusted and dialed in to fit the bedrock of the word. There is a beautiful life. It's true. Jesus has a wonderful plan for you. That's right. That is true, but it's not the whole story. And if we leave it there, it becomes an egocentric, me-centric, what can I get? How is it going to make me feel? Where Jesus said, lay it all down. Deny yourself and follow me. God had a wonderful plan for Jesus, didn't he? It involved going to a... Now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in paradise, isn't he? All of us who are in Christ are headed that way, aren't we? Come on. Yes. But that does not mean that the journey there will not be wrought with some difficulty, some suffering, and some pain. God has a wonderful plan. But there is an error, I think, that has crept in to us as Americans where we make it about us. We make it about what we can 
give, what we can get. It's about, it becomes me-centric. And I think what Jesus is pointing out here is he's saying, he said it to Moses at the bush. Jesus said it when he stood in front of this group of people. But I am simultaneously means he is, which also means I'm not. It's not about us, church. It is not about us. I was looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. I would commend that to you all. If you don't know what that is, you ought to know what it is and you ought to read it. I went through a very hard uh, portion, period of my life a number of years ago, and that um, interpretation of the Gospels and the Scriptures helped me on my road back. It's profound work. But one of the things it says is the chief end of man, that's mankind, that's men, women, children, that's all people. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. This is the great I am. He was, he is, he will be. He transcends time. He transcends space. He doesn't think about the present like we do. He looks at the present in light of the future. He looks at it in light of the past. He sees it all as one. What a, I can't even get my head around it. I am. Which brings me to our third point. The great I am spoke The great I am is speaking, and the great I am will speak. The question is, are our hearts surrendered and tuned in to him? Michael, are you telling me that God speaks? Yes, I am. That's what the Bible tells us. I talked to this friend of mine who goes, I don't know, Michael. I think God just spoke. I said, did you ask him? Why don't you ask him? Just see what happens. I love John 1, 1 through 5, because it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in him everything was made, and without him nothing that has been created was made. He is in all. He is. He is here, wherever you are on this day, whatever you're in the middle of, difficulty in marriage, difficulty with grandkids, a health issue you're fighting with, a son or a daughter who's estranged, maybe there's somebody in your family who's fighting drugs or alcohol or pornography or you fill it in, he is here. The question is, are our hearts and minds tuned in. I heard somebody use the analogy once of a radio, and I thought it was fascinating. We all have radios. Our, our kids set their radio on, I don't know, I think Sunny 104.5 in the morning. And so in the morning at like 6.30 or 6.15, all of a sudden you hear, you know, around our house. And Sunny 104.5 goes off. Now, how do they get on that station? They take that little tuner, right? I think now it's a press button tuner. When I was a kid, it was a little wheelie bopper, and you went, and then all of a sudden, when you hit a station, what happened? I don't know, you know, the music started, right? Now they just press the little button to get to the whatever, one of, I don't even know what the station name is. But the, the radio waves are where? 
Where? In the air. You mean the, the, the radio waves are in the... It's like if I had a radio right here, could I tune into it? Yes, I could. The great I am spoke. The great I am is speaking. The great I am will speak. The question is, your dial tuned in. The question is, are you fighting against the rip current of God's presence in your life? The question is not, how do you feel today? And church, there's a sickness in America that we go, how did we feel? How did worship make us feel? How did Michael make us feel? No, 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 no. It's are you surrendered to the lordship of the great I am? Are you allowing the presence and the purpose of Christ Jesus to work in and through your life? Are you fighting him or are you surrendering to him? Oh, guys, this is it. When we begin to get this and we get us out of the center and we get Christ Jesus in the center and we get in the flow of what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives, they will change. Will your circumstances always change? Not always. Sometimes. God does miracles. God heals. God raises the dead. God parts the Red Sea. It's in the Scripture. It happened then. It happens now. Is it going to happen to everybody? Absolutely not. Any pastor, teacher, leader who stands up and says it will is wrong. They just are. Jesus healed, but he walked by people who were sick in order to heal the one. Why? Because he is, and I'm not. I can't answer it. I don't know. But here is what I know. The presence and the power of Christ Jesus will take our lives, and when we surrender them fully to him, he will begin to speak to us. When we stop fighting against the rip current of his purposes and his presence in our lives, he will speak to us. He will guide us. He will direct us. People show up to my office or meet me and say all the time, I don't know what God wants me to do. I said, well, are you listening? I mean, really, are you listening? This is how I listen. I get up in the morning. I like it in the morning for some reason. If you want to get up at night, then get up at night. If you like it at lunchtime, then that's fine too. I just happen to like it in the morning, but I get up and it's really quiet in my house. Everybody's still sleeping. And I make a really strong pot of coffee really strong. I just drink one cup, but it's probably worth three or four. And I spread my Bible out on our table. I open my journal. I get my pen out. I go, all right, Lord Jesus, here I am. I'm listening. I'm listening. Reading the scriptures. A lot of times I'll bring him something specific. Lord, will you speak to me about this? Lord, this is going on with one of our kids. Will you give me some wisdom? Lord, there's something going on in our family. There's something going on at church. Would you enliven my mind? Would you bring wisdom and revelation? A lot of times he doesn't want to talk about what I want him to talk about. You guys know that? A lot of times I find that he's like, Michael, I got that. It's done. We're going to talk about this. And he'll guide me in the scriptures. See, I think a lot of people don't know what God is speaking because they're fighting against that rip current. You don't want to know. 
in my moments of confusion, in my, uh, even when I've had periods of weeks or months of confusion, cloudiness, uncertainty in my life, I find that there's something in my heart that may be resisting. I don't want that, Lord. This is what I want. And it's when I start to let go and just tread water in that rip current and go, all right, Lord, where are we going? Because I'm going with you. Because, see, I know that you spoke. You are currently speaking, and you will continue to speak. Through you all things were made, and without you nothing was made. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, said a quote that I want to read to you. He said, sound biblical exposition is an imperative must for the church of the living God. Without it, no church can be a New Testament church in any strict meaning of that term. But exposition must be carried on in such a way, excuse me, exposition may be carried on in such a way as to leave the hearers devoid of any true spiritual nourishment whatsoever. For it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but it is God himself. And unless and until the hearers find God in a personal experience, they are no better for having heard the truth. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men and women to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God. That they may enter into Him, that they may delight in His presence, that they may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God Himself in the core and center of their hearts. Church, my question for you today is, is your life seated in the context of the great I am? Jim, will you put that last slide up? Is your life fully seated in the context of the great I am? Have you surrendered all? And this isn't just a one-time transaction. It's a daily transaction. That's Romans 12.1. Surrender and keep surrendering. That's the dependent life. That's the crucified life. And as we do that, the very presence and the power of Christ Jesus will live in us and through us. I want us to stand. And Dean's going to lead us in a chorus. I want you to let the Holy Spirit of God just work in your heart. There might be a place where he's going to nudge you to some repentance. There might be a place where you've been fighting against the very presence and purposes of God like you can fight against a rip current, and he's going to call you to surrender it. There might be a place where God wants to speak something tender and beautiful. There might be a place where he wants to bring healing and life. Let's worship the Lord together.